forward to that. Okay. If you have Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want us to spend some time today hearing what God's Word says about the family of God being a body or being like a body where there's this diversity, where we're all different, and yet we're all connected to each other. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to start reading at verse 4, and I'll read to the end of the chapter before we get into commenting on it. At least I hope I will. Listen to the word of the Lord. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit, and still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It's the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts, verse 12, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, The body has many different parts, not just one part, and if the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First, our apostles. Second, our prophets. Third, our teachers. Then, those who do miracles. Those who have the gift of healing. Those who can help. Those who have the gift of leadership. 
those who speak in unknown languages. Verse 29. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So, you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. And then, of course, we get right into the love chapter, which is uh, often read at weddings. But where it's actually found here, it lives on a street called Holy Spirit Gifts. Isn't that interesting? It's a house on a, on a street called Holy Spirit Gifts, tucked right in between 12, 1 Corinthians 12, talking about diversity in the body, and 1 Corinthians 14, talking about prophecy, interestingly enough. So, this is the word of the Lord. All right, so what I'm going to do is maybe just a little bit weird. I'm going to just draw... Let's see, how many observations do I have? (laughs) 17 observations. I know, it's a list. I want to draw 17 just simple observations from the text. I will try not to make a ton of comments because what I I want us to see, well, I, I really want us to hear this well today. A lot of times what happens is a preacher will preach their heart out and you go, that was really powerful, but I don't agree. Am I right? But if you disagree with this, then you have problems. <laughs> like, you might be in the wrong building. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there's other religions maybe you could try if you don't like this. Okay? Um, just saying. Point that out there for you. It's just helpful, right? <laughs> so if you hate the Bible, you probably shouldn't pretend to be a Christian. Okay. Observation one. There is difference and there is sameness. Paul seems to set up the entire conversation by saying, God's made every single one of us different and given us different gifts. In fact, he says different, same, different, same. Verse 4, different kinds of spiritual gifts, same spirit. Different kinds of service. Verse 5, same Lord. Verse 6, different ways that God works, same God who does it. And why would he point that out? Because here's the thing. When humans encounter difference, we tend, it tends to spark our inferiority. I don't know what to do with you. You're different than me. And it leads either to insecurity, you're better than me, or, or superiority, pride, I'm better than you and I don't need you. Difference intimidates humans, am I right? When we discover someone or something or some group that's different from us, our tendency is to create a wall and separate. Am I right? So Paul's saying, these differences are not reasons to separate. These differences come from your common connection with God. These are not reasons to separate or judge or judge yourself. These are reasons to unify. This, is, this gets me excited. This is very cool. That was point one. Point two, verse seven. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Point two, everyone has gifts. You, you have gifts. Everyone has gifts. Did you like that point? So I don't know if you know what they are, but you have them. If you don't know what they are, you should probably figure out what they are so you can start using them. That's simple. Okay. Yes. Right. If you think your job is just to attend on Sundays and that's your whole thing, uh, I'm sorry, you're wrong. 
That should be exciting. Is that not exciting? Okay, all right. Man, I wouldn't want my job to be like, I get to attend games and watch the real action on the, on the court. Ugh, it's horrible. Okay. Third point. So that was the second point. Everyone has at least one spiritual, at least one spiritual gift. Okay. Point three, verse seven, same verse. It says that the gifts are given for the common good, for the common good. So if you know Jesus, he's put grace in you, and that exists not just so that you'll be happy and strong in Jesus. Holy Spirit gives gifts for the, it's for others, okay? So if you're connected to Jesus, like the day you get connected to Jesus, something comes in you that's for others. It's for others. And so every single one of us has a spiritual gift, at least one. Most of us have more than one, and you can actually get more, which we'll see at the end. And it's not just about me and Jesus. Paul talks in many of his epistles about, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. You can't tell me that you've read the New Testament and come away saying, I don't need the church. I'll tell you what made you say you don't need the church. You got hurt. You got cynical. You had a bad experience. You didn't learn to forgive. You didn't find healing in the presence of God. And you pulled away from the people that God actually has put stuff in you that they need. Because if he's put Jesus in you and gifts in you, it's for the common good, not just for me and Jesus. All right, enough said. That was point three. Point four, still on verse seven, all the gifts are for serving. Sometimes we think of service as the guy who wipes the tables or the person who vacuums the floor, but I'm serving you right now. And if somebody's at home praying, they're serving you even though they're not with you. Every gift of the Holy Spirit is about service. And when you give yourself fully to using your gifts in the body of Christ, whether or not people acknowledge it as such, you are serving them. That feels good to say. Okay. So verse, or the point number four was all gifts are for serving. Point number five, verse 11. Oh, where's verse 11? He alone decides which gift each person should have. You see that? So I can't just like snap my fingers and be like, I feel like I'm going to be an administrator now. Go. I'm going to read administrator books. Then I'll just do it. From sheer determination and grit. Go. Ladies and gentlemen, it ain't happening. Okay. God decides, point five, God decides, oh, and I'm going to post these notes online so you don't have to write them down, not that anyone was because I don't see anybody. Okay. <laughs> point five, God decides who gets what gift. Now, if... If we embrace his design of us, it means embracing his purpose for us and for the whole rest of the body. But there's ways that people can get mad that they don't have that person's gift or disqualify the gift God's given them as though it were not enough or it were not special or important. I wonder how that must feel. I'll tell you what it might feel like. It might feel like if you carefully choose a Christmas gift for your child, and they're like, yeah. and then the kids are all in a bickering fighting match because they all want the one that the one kid has and they didn't even really want it as much as, anyway. Just saying, Has anyone been there? Has anyone seen gift-giving environments become squabbling matches? Yeah. Okay. So that was verse five. God decide who gets what gift. Verse, or point number six, in verse 12, I'll read it again. 
The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. Here's what I see from that. Two separate points. First, we need all the parts connected if we're going to have a whole body. If you're missing, we're incomplete. I don't know if you know that. I've wondered that recently as I've seen that people who consider Gateway their home church just attend really loosely. I mean that, like attend really loosely. And I was thinking, you know, what if we gave people one freebie a month where they were just like, if you don't feel like coming or you're just worn out or tired or whatever, you just don't come once a month. Actually, we might, we might experience an attendance upgrade because some folk don't even do that. Okay. And here's why that bothers me. We actually need you. You don't, if, if, if you're thinking, I got me and Jesus and it's, I'm not damaging the body, all I do is sit there anyway, you, there's, something, there's something you're not understanding about your influence. There's something you're not understanding about your contribution, about how essential you are. Your absence, we feel your absence. Well, then why doesn't anybody email me? That would be a question. Why doesn't anybody call me? Why doesn't anybody visit me? Be careful with that line of reasoning. Be really careful with that line of reasoning. Because that line of reasoning starts to swirl down into like a weird, isolated, demonic self-pity thing and it's all a strategy of the evil one to get you driven a wedge further. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. I, like when I took my sabbatical, by the time I got back, I was terrified of all of you people. And it took being back a while for me to realize what was in your heart toward me because absence becomes a vacuum in which the devil will whisper in your ear. Yes. Just pointing that out too. All right, that's not all. But that was... A, Verse 12, first observation, we, we need all the parts connected to have a whole body. Second observation on verse 12, we need all the parts actively serving to have a functional body. All the parts need to be connected to have a whole body. All the parts need to be active for us to have a functional body. So chew on it. Do you understand the significance then of like, if you're connected to Jesus, then you're also going to be connected here. You have gifts. They're meant to, for the body, not just for yourself. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just, if we get this, we're going to go, oh. Can I just right now encourage you to go after the, the people who belong to Gateway and the people who should belong to Gateway? Some of them aren't even saved yet. Who are meant to be here. Can you go after them? It's too much work for me. I'm only one person. Can you, can you? Do that for me? Yes. Please? Shall I beg? Please, can you? Because we need them. Yes, we do. All right, okay. Uh, eighth observation from verse 13. Connection to Jesus, and I've pretty much been saying this the whole time, connection to Jesus is inseparable from connection to Jesus' church. We've all been baptized into one body by one spirit. Spirit. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't just say we've all been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He specifically says we've been baptized into one body by the Holy Spirit. That's, did you expect that? I, when I'm reading that and I'm, that's interesting to me. If you belong to Jesus, you've been inextricably bound to this family called the church. So, all right. Point number nine. Well, you know what? Let's back up. I'm going to argue this. Your connection to everyone on the planet who has the spirit of Jesus in them is deeper than your connection to your biological family. You might not acknowledge that. You might not prioritize things that way. 
But that's what God thinks. This is what Jesus said when, he, when you know, well, let's see. I only know it in the King James and it's really humorous, so just bear with me. And if this is like crossing your lines of propriety, I'm sorry. Blessed is the womb which bore thee and blessed are the paps which gave thee suck. That's some King James for you. Blessed is your mom, basically, says somebody in the crowd when they're like, oh, Jesus, it's incredible. You know what? Blessed is your mom. How amazing would it be to be your mom? And Jesus says this, blessed rather are those who do the will of God. And they're like, hey, but your mother and brother are outside to collect you because they didn't believe. And he says, no, blessed rather. See, see what I'm saying? Like to Jesus, the spirit of, you could, be, you could be in a completely foreign country, not speak the language, but someone else have Jesus on the inside and you look in their eyes and sense a common bond. Have you ever met like a total stranger and in 10 seconds, because you have Jesus in common, you have the deepest bond and you're like, I totally understand your motivations. I totally understand who you are. I stood in line next to a lady and, and for about maybe five minutes, we had a five minute conversation and right away I was like, I know you. I like, I knew her. She was probably 40 years older than me. I was like, I know you and you know me. Like I fully understood. Okay, that's too long on one point. So that was the eighth point. Connection to Jesus is inseparable from connection to his church. We've been baptized in one body by one spirit. Ninth point from verse 14 There's one body, but there's many parts. Now, I know how to operate a car, but I do not know how to fix a car because I don't know what these various parts are meant to do. I push this button, I push this thing down and it goes faster. I push this one down and it goes slower. I turn this thing and it goes different ways. Yeah, that was the left one. But if it breaks, I'm... I'm out of my element because I don't know how it's supposed to work. Listen, I don't know how the body of Christ is supposed to work, but Jesus sure does. And my suspicion is that just because I don't know how it works doesn't mean I should start throwing away parts that I don't understand. Uh, clink, clink, clink. No, something's, you're gonna, there's, you'll find out later that something's not going to work. Bodies are complex. I don't understand my body, but when something goes wrong, suddenly I realize that it has parts that I didn't even know it had, doing things I didn't even know I needed them to do. You get the metaphor? And church is a team sport. It's completely a team sport. You can have an amazing worship team, an amazing preacher. Wow, great job, Tim. And a really unhealthy church. You can have the opposite. You can have like a pretty boring preacher and pretty lame singing that's off pitch, consistently horrible, and a really healthy, happy church. And in America, there's like two things that really like we look at for like what we're looking for in a church, at least the first time we visit. Well, maybe three. I'm looking at like, how's the preaching? Some people are looking at how's the singing? And other people are looking at like, are you friendly? Right? Okay, obviously the third one, the friendly one, might be the bigger deal. The bigger deal. (laughs) Okay, let's move on. I'm going to get myself into trouble if I keep talking on that point. Uh, Did you see that my hand's shaking? I don't know why I'm nervous. I think I'm afraid to like say something terribly irresponsible, hurt people's feelings. Number 10, verse 15. (laughs) Don't disqualify yourself by comparison to others. You, you can look around the room and say, oh, they're so gifted and they're amazing. I'm nobody. 
11th point, verse 21. Don't disqualify others by comparison. They're both in there, aren't they? Verse 15, don't disqualify yourself. No matter who you are, you are important. And you provide an essential function. I think I can say this. Nobody else can do what you do the way you do it. We need you. But don't disqualify others. They matter. They provide an essential function. Nobody else can do what they do the way they do it. You need them. We need them. We need you. We need them. Point 12 from verse 22. Sometimes the less visible people... I'll just read it first. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary, like kidneys. No joke. You don't know you need kidneys. You don't see kidneys. You just see when they don't work. Some people are like that in the body of Christ. You never see what they're doing, but they provide an essential function for the body of Christ. Nobody, you know, they may never get the microphone. They may never hold a position or a title. They might not be on the back of the bulletin ever. The only time you see them is when their birthday is in the bulletin, unless we, unless we don't have their information. So please get your information to Doug, okay? Because if it's not in there, it's not that we don't like you, it's that we don't have your information. That was free. But less visible people are often the most essential to body life, to corporate health. Once you remove someone's kidneys, there's a countdown clock that starts. And it's not a happy one. Some people, when they drop out of the body of Christ, there's a countdown clock that starts, and we don't even know. We don't understand what's wrong. One of the things I've been praying is, Lord, show me what's really wrong. The other day, there was basement flooding like crazy, so I was in the basement. Becky Wright calls me, and she's like, I was supposed to be taking the day off, and instead I (laughs) spent the day here cleaning up basement. Anyway, that's not self-pity. That was funny to me. Okay. So I'm in the basement cleaning up, And I'm like, okay, let's see what this is. So I go up and I investigate around the downspouts. And I'm like, this doesn't look right. This water, this has evidence of, wait a minute. So I go grab a ladder and I crawl up in there. Three little water bottles. The kids are downstairs so they can't hear this and take all the blame that they thoroughly deserve. But three water bottles were thrown up on the roof. Three little water bottles. How much money do those three water bottles cost? How much money of damage could they do if we didn't figure out what the problem was? Because we were going to try to like buy more humidifiers and we tore out carpet out of the one classroom because we needed to and it was stank. Is that the right word? Is that a real word? I don't know. It was nasty. <laughs> Sometimes we don't know what the real problem is and we spend lots of time and energy fixing problems that aren't problems. They're just results of problems. Let's, I'll leave it alone. But the less visible people sometimes are the most essential and we don't realize what the problem is. Holy Spirit knows Jesus, show us what's really wrong. Point 13 from verses 25 and 26. Harmony among the members so that all the members care for one another. Listen to this beautiful passage. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Is that beautiful? Notice it doesn't say if one part suffers, the others get annoyed and try to fix that person by good advice. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Help, Lord. I love that it says weep with those who mourn, not encourage those who mourn. 
My mom posted the other day on Facebook, when you acknowledge other people's bad feelings, you help, vin- you help validate their feelings and, and you pave the way for good feelings to return. When you argue against their bad feelings, you often cause more internal frustration that ends up not letting the, the, the dark, sad, broken things come up so they can come out. That was free. But we are bound together. And this is the point I was trying to make. We are bound to each other and we affect each other far more than we seem to realize. I don't know how to say this the right way, but like when you're not doing well, it affects me. Don't take that and then pull away because you don't want to negatively affect people. Don't do that. It's an honor to suffer with you. When you let me into your suffering... I, if, I, if, I get, if I, okay, theoretical circumstance, I'm having a horrible week or month. I don't let anyone in, so I suffer in private. How honored do you feel as my friends? Second scenario, you ask me how I'm doing and I give you an honest answer and you weep with me. How honored do you feel as my friend? With Pete the other week, I... I was like, I'm sorry, I'm so emotional. I sometimes wish that I wasn't so emotional. I feel like I'm such a burden on my friends. And Pete said one sentence to me that, like, I don't know how to say this the right way, Pete. Dude, seriously, what? Thank you. Your feelings matter, Tim. That was like an IV drip of love and hope. Just Your feelings matter, Tim. Okay. We are inextricably bound to each other, and we affect each other. And it's an honor to have that be a reality. It's not a, you're not a burden. It's not, a bur, it's not burdensome to carry one another, another's burdens. It's a stinking privilege. All right, I've said enough on that point. Fourteenth point, verse 28, there's an order to the gifts. This is kind of surprising to me. There's an order. This is, 1 Corinthians 12 is the only place in the whole New Testament that actually gives an order to the gifts. The other gifts lists don't seem to be placing them um, in a hierarchy, so to speak. I hate that word. But it's not an order of importance, and it's not an order of value. It's an order of function. I'll just throw that out there. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then those who do miracles, then those with gifts of healing, then those with gifts of helps, then those who have the gift of leadership, and then those who speak in tongues. I'm not going to preach on that today, although I just wanted to throw that out to say there is an order to the gifts. And if we don't arrange it that way, there's not a healthy check and balance to to make sure that we're on mission. If we do arrange it that way, there's a better chance of being on mission. Okay. Sixteenth point, we're almost done, you guys. I'm sorry, fifteenth point. We don't all operate in all the gifts. Are all apostles, are all prophets, do all speak in tongues? Obviously the answer is no. We don't all operate in all the gifts. We're actually meant to be specialists. We're meant to corporately have a balance, but personally be really imbalanced. You're meant to maximize your strengths and let others handle your weaknesses in areas that they have strength. Again, I'm not even going after the gift of administration. I just want the people who have the gift of administration to joyfully, joyfully, happily, in a sustainable way, 
love serving in that role. It's the whole Acts chapter 6 reality where the elders, they didn't have any time to pray. They didn't have time to be in their Bible because they were dealing with people needs so much, distributing food with the widows, and they didn't have time to pray. And so the whole body was getting really lame, terrible sermons with, un, with, with not much anointing because they were serving. I've heard a seminary professor tell me they did the right thing. They should have they never appointed the deacons. They, they were taking off the basin and the towel and they were leaving the servant heart behind and they were becoming important ministry people to go pray. And, 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 and I'm like, you are rebuking the thing that the Holy Spirit inspired them to do. You're wrong, seminary professor. And I'm not going to say his name because he wrote a lot of really important books and commentaries. But I, I'll tell you later if you ask me in secret. The, elder, the elders of the church, the, the apostles, were actually saying, we're not serving the church because we're taking all this time serving the church in a way we're not designed to. So they created deacons to do that work so that they could shut themselves up in the place of study and prayer so that when they came out in public, they had the power and they had the insight. It's a, anyway, that's a totally another sermon. But the, okay, we don't all operate in the, all the gifts were meant to be specialists. Sixteenth point, we are told to eagerly desire, verse 31, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Well, that's interesting because earlier he said, the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts as he pleases. So you might think, well, God makes the choice. What do I, I have no power in the matter, so I'm just going to accept that I'm not that gifted and move on. Well, Paul thinks the opposite. If it's the Holy Spirit who gives the gifts and you know what God is like, He's generous, he's a rewarder of faith, he's good, he's loving, he loves to give good gifts, he loves to answer prayer. Jesus said in Luke 11, how, you know, how much more? You guys give good gifts to your kids, how much more is a perfect heavenly father going to give great gifts like Holy Spirit power to his kids who cry out to him day and night? So Paul's argument that it's the Holy Spirit who gives the gifts doesn't cause him to have a sort of passive, well, if God wants to give me a gift, he can. By the way, that attitude of God wants to give me that gift, he will. That attitude, you know how many times that, that person gets gifts? Like people who say, uh, tongues is a common one. Eh, if God wants to give me tongues, he can. He won't. He won't. I can promise you he won't, because your attitude. That's not an ask, seek, knock, eagerness, hunger, and expectation. That's not a Jacob wrestling with the angel saying, I will not let you go till you bless me. That's justifying your lack of desire and pursuit. God doesn't, God doesn't reward openness. I'm open to the idea. He rewards hunger. That was free. But we're told to eagerly desire the greater gifts. The greater gifts, how do you define greater gifts? The greater gifts are the gifts that benefit others better. That's what makes it greater. Love is the motive and its effectiveness at building strength. And I'll tell you this. In a context where someone's sick, the greater gift is not prophecy. It's healing. But in a context where someone needs the word of the Lord, prophecy is a greater gift. And I, that's too much. Let's just go ahead and shut her down. That was my last point, actually, is that the greater gifts are those gifts that help others more effectively. Love for others, again, is the natural, healthy outflow of what a personal relationship with God is about. I don't know why, but it seems like social media, I love social media, 
I think social media is awesome, but it seems to me that social media is scratching our community itch. And so, like, if you could get up, Carrie, for a sec. I'm going to hug you for ministry. Um, like, if, if we're on our phones and we chat a little bit, that's connect, that's, that's, I have a hunger for community. So it's scratching my itch. But that is never meant to replace this. I don't feel like that. You mean this hug very much. A little bit. There we go. <laughs> She is tiny. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Facebook's never meant to replace that, this, this connection. It's meant to supplement it. So I'm a little concerned about a generation that we're glued to our phones 24-7. Like here's, I have often thought of the irony of me and my wife being on our computers and iPads and phones while telling our kids that they're not allowed to be on yet because they haven't had enough playtime outside. And I'm looking at us like, what is this? Yeah, but it's my work, and I feel like relaxing because I'm taking a break from the... Wait a minute. You know what I mean? We're the most connected generation ever, and it's harming our community. Because it's scratching an itch rather than supplementing something. Social media is meant to... Okay, that was free. Go ahead and stand. (laughs) If this feels disjointed, it's because it was like 16 separate points on a theme. Now I'm going to pray, and and hopefully... Hopefully God will make this into a sermon in your minds. (laughs) Let's pray. Jesus, you are amazing. We do not get our significance from gifts. We get our significance from you. But you give us gifts so that we can serve you and help people. We do not find our identity in gifts. We find our identity that we've been adopted into your family and we are God's dearly loved children. But as your dearly loved children, we want to join you in your work. We, just like you did, Jesus, when you were like 12. Didn't you know I would be about my father's business? We want to be about your business, and your business is loving people. So would you help us? We want to. We say yes to you in daily life, every day. And God's people said, Amen. I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs>